Well, my goodness, it's good to be back. I almost feel like I'm at home when I'm here at Mountain View, and of course, appreciate you folks so much, and uh, love you, Pastor. Appreciate him uh, being willing to give me an opportunity to, to uh, share God's Word, and uh, I kind of like a lot of folks without masks on. I know that's, you know, uh, I just, I've been teaching Sunday school uh, over at First, and uh and almost everyone there is wearing a mask. You can't see any expressions. You don't know whether they're mad or you know happy or enjoying it or if they've gone to sleep. Uh, at least here, I can I can tell when y'all are asleep. So that's uh, that's the way it works. But strange time that we're living in, isn't it? Uh, who would have ever thought that an explosion three hours away or three and a half hours, depending how fast you drive, up in Nashville would take out cell service in Russellville, Alabama. I've been two days without cell and didn't realize how much I, I needed it to keep up with my children. And then, of course, this COVID thing. One of the good things about that COVID has done is it's caused a lot of our churches to wake up and realize that we can get the gospel out without having to bring the people in. And we've, we've gone to YouTube, we've gone to uh, Facebook Live, and folks that used, to, that used to be could only listen on the radio now can hear our services literally, literally around the world. And I'm hoping that I have a, a, a friend of mine who told me on, uh, on Facebook Messenger that he was tuning in this morning to watch the services, so I've got to be careful what I say. But um, a good friend of mine that uh, was my mission uh, van driver in Moldova, of all things, is watching the service this morning from here at Mountain View Baptist. So, and that, it's an incredibly wonderful world. And then, of course, there's things like, uh, I found out this week that one of my classmates, that we'd been great friends for years, Unfriended me on Facebook. Now I, I don't know why. I know. I think I know what I did. I was posting too many political things, and uh, made her made her mad because she's out in Oregon and is uh, very dedicated to a particular political stand, and I'm not. And of course, you know, she got offended. But you know what? I, I'm thinking that uh, offenses happen, don't they? Um, more than we would like, and actually more than we would expect. Sometimes, sometimes the offenses are intentional, and, and most of the time they're unintentional. Uh, they come in from every quarter. They, you get offended sometimes that things go on at work. You get offended some of the things that go on in your family. Uh, you can get offended at your mate, and you can get offended at church. The people that you're supposed to love and support and forgive, offenses take place. I'm convinced, folks, that, that if, if we would deal with our offenses through forgiveness, like God intends God's people to do, our churches would be far more blessed than they are. I think there's baggage, and, and um, I, I think I'm supposed to be back next Sunday. I got it on the calendar, so you're warned. 
you, if you want to stay home next Sunday, Gene will be back, and you'll know, so you're, you're already pre-warned. But, you know, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like church people carry this baggage around with them for years. And we're going to look into that a little more next Sunday in the Lord, as the Lord wills. Now, we need to learn how to deal with, with being offended. We need to learn how to deal with this issue of forgiveness. We need to not only be forgiven, but we need to express forgiveness. And sometimes, sometimes we just don't understand how. I remember as a pa- when I was pastor full-time, one of the things I hated, in fact, probably I brother Sammy would say the same thing, one of the things you dread the most is to find a, a, an offended church member that's upset about something and you've got to go talk to them face-to-face. But the longer you leave it, the worse it gets. So there are times when fear is what keeps us from setting things straight. Sometimes it's pride. Uh, and, and hundreds of other things. But when it comes to damaged relationships, we can only find the peace that we really need when we've not only experienced God's forgiveness. And there are some folks who have not experienced that. The reason, the reason they're so, so bitter and so angry is they've never experienced the forgiveness of God. But some of us who have need to learn how to forgive others. So that's where we're going this morning. We're going to talk about forgiveness. And we're going to look at two things. It's just a two-point sermon. My goodness, that should be easy. We should be out by at least 1.30. Long points. First point is this. We need to experience God's forgiveness. And the thing I understand as I read the Word of God is that, that all of us, every human being, anyone who been, been, has drawn breath on this planet needs to be forgiven. Why? Because the Bible says that we have all sinned, all of us, no exceptions, and, and fallen short of God's expectations. We need God's forgiveness. I've been teaching Genesis and looking at the, the fall and Adam's transgression. And, you know, and basically we sin in two ways. We need forgiveness in two ways. One of those is we miss the mark. We fall short of what we should be. The other thing is oftentimes we do things that are offensive to God. We fail to be what God wants us to be. And we don't do the things that we should. I, I may have shared this with you when I've been here before. It's, it's hard to remember how, what, what you've preached when you come as many times as I have here to, to Mountain View. But I was in the Navy. I, did, I, didn't ever, I never got on a ship. I, I, I was an Airedale, they call them. I was a guy that did airplane stuff. Went to boot camp in San Diego. And for a lot of you younger people, this won't make any sense to you at all, but one of the things you had to do is learn how to shoot a rifle. And so, and, and surprisingly, there were a lot of guys who had never touched a gun. And a lot of us, like country boys, like myself, we'd done a lot of shooting. But they had, they'd made an embankment that this, the guys got on top of to shoot. 
And then there was a valley, and way across the valley, way out yonder, there were targets to shoot. And so we would lay there on that, on that bank, and we would shoot those targets. But to help these country, these people who were not country bulls and never had got a gun in their hands, they had down in the valley, they'd put up a great big sign, wooden sign, and they had painted the bullseye on it, and then they painted the gun sights on it so that those who never shot a gun could look at that sign and they could say, okay, I need my sights on that bullseye way out there just like that sign. There was a guy about two down from me, obviously had never shot. And he didn't know that the target was the one way over on the other side of the valley. He just shot up that sign. Just blew that thing away with his rifle. The Sarge had to run over and get him to stop shooting. That's a lot like us. We not only miss the right target, we hit the wrong target. We sin by omission and by commission. We do things we shouldn't do. We fail to do the things that we know we need to do. And that tells me we all desperately need God's forgiveness. Romans 5.18 says this, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. One man, Adam, Adam failed, and that his blood, Adam's blood, runs on all of our veins. All of us are sinners, and we need to experience, we desperately need God's forgiveness. The wonderful thing, and the thing that I noticed in Genesis as I was teaching, Adam was not out looking for God, looking to get forgiveness for his failure. Where was he? He was hiding in the bushes. Who initiated the forgiveness? God did. And that has not changed. The Word of God tells us that God initiates the one who has been offended is the one who comes to reconcile the offender. God is the one who came to us. He's the one who came and lived the perfect life and died on the cross. In fact, Romans 5, 8 says this, God demonstrates his own love toward us. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, that's the good news. That's the greatest news this world's ever going to hear. That's the news of Christmas. God offers that forgiveness. His forgiveness is offered to all as a free gift. He wants people to be saved. Romans 5.16 says this, For the judgment which came from the one offense, that is the failure of Adam, resulted in condemnation of all men. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Jesus Christ came and suffered and died so that you and I could experience the forgiveness of God. That the slate could be wiped clean. God didn't put any conditions on this. He didn't say, well, if you'll straighten up and live right, and if you'll quit swearing, if you'll stop stealing, if you'll stop being a drunkard, if you'll do all these things, then I'll forgive you. He didn't say that. He simply said, whosoever will may come. That's great news. 
And his forgiveness, the extent of God's forgiveness, literally can be seen in the word forgive. I, I did this. I, I, sometimes we miss what God's trying to tell us because we don't see the uh, overtones of a word in the, in the Bible. So I want to give you some examples. And uh, what I've done is look up the word forgiveness and see where else it's used. I want to just kind of give these to you, because the time you turn to them, I'm going to be gone, okay? For instance, um, in Matthew, well, let me, let me just, maybe we can. Let's go to Matthew. It's all in Matthew's gospel, so it's easy. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 7 and verse 4, if you want to look at it. I'm going to just going to turn to it. It's interesting, it says, Oh, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. The Holy Spirit of God led Matthew to use the word forgive. And he translated it, let me remove. Forgiveness is the removing of something. Okay, now stay in Matthew's gospel. Flip over just a couple of pages with me to uh, the 13th chapter. And this time, verse 36, Matthew 13, 36. And, uh, and then, I'm just reading the verse, and then Jesus sent the multitude away and went to the house with his disciples. And then they come and ask to have this parable explained. The two little words in that verse, to send away. Jesus sent the multitude away. To send away is our little word, forgiveness. That means that forgiveness means it sends something away. It removes something. It sends it away. Isn't that a, it's a beautiful thing. Then look at chapter 23. Are you beginning to get the picture? There's more to forgiveness than just that word and the way we think of it, the Holy Spirit chose to use these words. First, 23:23. I love this one. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. That word neglected means to, to give no mind to. Or, or uh, a litter to, to not hold it against. That's what forgiveness is. God forgives. He, he does not give mind to. He doesn't call back up our failures. That's what forgiveness means. When God forgives it, it's gone forever. Uh, one more verse while we're there very close. Matthew 26. And verse 56. All this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. That's our word forsook. That's our word, same exact Greek word that we've been talking about. It means to abandon. It means to, to, to leave. What has God done when we seek his forgiveness? What's he do with our sin? They're gone. They are 
removed, they are sent away, their no mind is given to them, they are abandoned. Folks, we are set free. That's the most incredible thing that anyone could ever experience. And God wants to do that for you. If you have never trusted Him as your Savior, He stands ready and willing today to do that for you. When God forgives a transgression, call it sin, whatever you want to call it, it will never, ever be held against you again. He'll never be brought up again. But God wants us to acknowledge that forgiveness. We need to receive that forgiveness. We need to have our sin, our offenses, our transgressions forgiven by Him. Forgiveness is it's literally letting something go, sending it away. Can I tell you something this morning? There are a lot of Christians who are forgiven. God's forgiven them. God has gotten rid of it. They've never forgiven themselves. Back in, gosh, the late 70s, my first little church up in Arkansas. Had a guy in the church, so faithful, so active. He, he, he was just a delight to be around. Was nominated to be a deacon. Went and talked to him. Asked him for his testimony. He shared how he'd come to know Christ as Savior. He said, Pastor, I can't ever be a deacon now. Why not? And he went on to explain to me that, that he had he'd taken money from his company. He confessed it. His family lost everything they had as he repaid it. He spent some time in jail because of it. And he has never forgiven himself. Carried that burden all of the time. But it's not just that. There's a lot of you seated right here in this auditorium this morning that carried some past offense in here with you and you'll pick it up and carry it out with you because you have never forgiven yourself for something God has forgiven you for. Paul says there's a time when we need to forget some things behind. Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. If you personally have experienced the forgiveness of God, if you've asked Him to be your Savior and He's wiped the slate clean, then it's time that you forgave yourself. But it's not only vital that we experience God's forgiveness, very vital that we learn how to not only experience that forgiveness, but to express that forgiveness. We need to be able to forgive others. 
And I think it's one of the hardest things for a lot of church members. I said, Brother Gene, how, how can I do that? Well, I've got three suggestions, very simple. One is this. You need to learn to see your brother or sister in Christ as God does. If we don't value them as God values them, there's little chance we're going to be moved to forgive their failures. We've got to learn to focus on the, on the person, not the transgression. In Galatians 6.1, it says this, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, any trespass, you who are spiritual, I've underlined that in my Bible, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Now, what's that mean? Well, a couple of things. First thing is this. If you're not a forgiver, it's a testimony about your spiritual life. You who are spiritual, restore such a one. If you won't forgive, if you won't restore, it says you are not spiritual. The second thing that I see in this passage is that we need to be careful because none of us are above failing. There may be a day when you're going to need the same kind of forgiveness that you will not offer to your brother or sister in Christ. We need to see the value of these people. We need to learn to focus on the person. When Jesus Christ looked at a, a sinful world, people who had turned their back on God, what did he do? He came anyhow. He came as a babe born in a manger. He went to a cross and died there for sins he never committed because he saw the value of people. That they're worth forgiving. There's an interesting story that Jesus tells in Matthew 18. It's about forgiveness. In Matthew 18 and verse 15, it says this, And moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. To see our brothers and sisters as an important part of our life, not to turn them away, not to push them out, but to pull them in. That's what church is all about. Interesting illustration Jesus gives with, with regard to what he just talked about, forgiving our brothers or sisters in Christ. He tells a story, and if you have your Bible, you can kind of follow along here in, in Matthew 18, verse 23. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. You know the story. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents. And he was not able to pay. Master commanded he be sold, sell his wife, sell his kids into slavery, and take everything he has and make as much payment as you can. And the servant fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. All right, let's think about that a minute. 
I, I, did some, I did some homework on this. In the Roman culture, culture of the time of Christ, you work a day, you get one denarius. A denarius was considered a day's page. A lot of people had to be paid at the end of the day because they would have to take that money and then go buy some food for that day. Give us this day our daily bread. Kind of idea. One denarius, you with me, equals one day's labor. A talent. It says he owed 60 talents. A talent is 6,000 denarius. So one talent is 6,000 days of labor. With me so far? Okay, now look at the verse again. It says he owed him 10,000 talents. Okay, I did old math. I don't do young stuff than what you young people do. I did the old math. I put down 6,000 and I put 10,000 under it. I multiplied it out and it comes to 60 million days of wages. And this man has the audacity to say to the master, be patient with me and I'll pay you all. See, what Jesus is trying to to present to us is that this man had an unpayable debt. Oh, does that sound familiar? When you and I did not know Jesus Christ, guess what? We had an unpayable debt that someone paid for us on the cross. And if we understand how great that debt was, then something that our brother or sister does against us is so small. Just read on down. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion and forgave, released him from the debt. Servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owned him a hundred denarii. hundred denarii. One hundred days salary for working. That's a payable debt. He could surely over time work off the debt and pay this guy, but no, he threw him in prison. Do you know why he treated his brother like he did? Do you know why he would not forgive this other person? Because he did not understand what kind of forgiveness he'd already experienced. And I say to you this morning, if you will not forgive your brothers and sisters in Christ, it's because you don't understand how much you've been forgiven. Does he get the point? We need to see our brothers as God does. We need to love our brothers as God does so we can forgive. I, I love this master. He, he didn't say, well, all right, well, okay, I'll, I'll forgive you if, if you prove your sincerity or, or if, you, if you follow all my stipulations or if you make up. No, he just said, I forgive. Folks, isn't it time you and I can go to a brother or sister in Christ who has offended us and say to them, I forgive, I love you, your brother or sister in Christ. Let's restore this relationship so that we can work and serve the Savior together. 
I've heard people say, well, Brother Gene, I can, I can forgive, but I can't forget. No, forgetting does take time. But if time has passed and you have not forgotten, you've not forgiven. We need to learn to treat our brothers and sisters' transgressions against us like God treats our transgressions. To forgive them. To send them away. To not bring them up again. To not put stipulations on it. God simply says, whosoever will may come. And drink of that water freely. If you've experienced that this morning, I want to say to you, have you forgiven? Is there someone that, that you need to seek out? Not, not in the service. I'm not going to ask. Some, some church, you, know, you need to get up and go over there. No, then everybody in the church is talking about it. God says, the verse we read, go to them privately and take care of it. So, two questions. Am I a forgiven person? Have I accepted Christ as my Savior? Are my sins forgiven? Are they sent as far as the east is from the west? Aren't you glad you didn't say north and south? North and south, you can tell in the north and south pole, but you go, you can start off east and you go, and pretty soon you've come all the way around the world and you can still go as far as the east. It can't, there's no end to God's forgiveness. Are you forgiven? If not, that offer is open to you this morning. You can say, yes, I'm trusted Christ as my Savior. God, I know I've sinned, but I want you to forgive me, and I want to be your child. God will do that. Then the second question you have to ask is this. Is there anything in your heart right now against another person? If there is, are you willing to forgive them? If not, why not? Maybe you need to examine where you are spiritually. Let me pray for us. Father, you have uh, you've laid out a, a difficult task for us, but by your grace we can do this. We can actually go and restore forgive, make things right. And I pray even today for that one who's never experienced that forgiveness themselves because until they do, they can never offer it to someone else. So I pray that in this invitation, you'll have your way in our hearts and lives. If there's someone who should be a part of this sweet fellowship, we pray you'll draw them here. If there's one who needs Christ, we pray the Spirit of God will be at work. We commit this invitation to you. In Jesus' name, amen.